For the third year and counting, Richard Skipper has been celebrating the artists you love. Richard Skipper is all about celebrating life, art, and his guest body of work. Please join us while he showcases these diverse and talented individuals. Here's Richard Skipper. Happy Saturday, everyone, and welcome to a very special edition of Richard Skipper Celebrates. Who or what are you celebrating today? There's so much to celebrate if we take the time to do so. And I am so excited to be celebrating our very special guest today. I'd like to start today by reading a passage from this incredible book uh, by our guest today. And uh, I've been beginning my days since I have received these three incredible books uh, by reading passages from her books. And uh, I'm going to bring her on uh, while I read a passage from her book. And the passage that I read this morning says, become ready for change. When you are really ready for change, the first step you must take is to clear a space for that change to happen. Most people have an easier time acquiring material possessions rather than letting go of them. Just like emotional baggage, it is difficult to let go of material objects that clutter your reality. You must become aware of the material possessions that no longer add value to your life. Are you holding onto a material possession because it makes you feel secure or comfortable? There is a certain amount of truth to the fact that stuff can make you feel good only temporarily. Recognize the emotional and material hold that possessions have on you and let go. This will create space for you to change. Clear out your personal space, leaving only objects that bring you joy. Your energy level will soar. Today, learn to have a practical and temporary relationship to objects. Enjoy the day. Mary Ellen Saganovich. I am so glad you are here today. Thank you. Uh Thank you so much for having me. I'm just so blessed and humbled and excited about being able to speak with you and all of your many thousands of viewers. What a great opportunity. Well, uh, you know, because Sarah McKee, who is a frequent co-host of mine, has a book called Let That Go. And mm -hmm. she's watching right now. So uh, how appropriate that this morning when I opened the book, that this was the first passage that mm -hmm. I read. Uh, Mary, when did you learn to start letting go of those things in your life that were holding you back? Oh, wow. Uh, not for a long time. Not until I 
I probably the day my first husband walked out the door and, you know, he woke up on a Sunday morning said, I don't love you anymore and left. And I'm just sitting there going, what? And so it forced me in a position to become aware of myself, to look inside instead of always looking outside. And that is such an important start. The awareness of self is where everyone should begin. You have to begin to love yourself before anyone else can love you. You have to begin to be happy with yourself before you can be happy with anyone else. And these things, you know, I, I wasn't taught these. I mean, I was taught so many yucky things growing up. I was taught I was unworthy. I wasn't wanted. I was an accident. You know. Welcome and, to my world, Mary Ellen. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we were, we were all taught these, well, I call them erroneous societal teachings. And we need to change that in our society. We must change that in our society for the healing of our planet to begin. Well, I want to go back. You know, I asked for a photograph of you at five years of age. And the reason that I asked for this photograph is because to me, the five-year-old self is the purest self. That's before life begins to tell you who you should be or who shouldn't be and teachers and peers and parents and everyone starts telling you Mary Ellen this is who you are or this is who you aren't uh here you are and I love this photograph what a gorgeous picture um tell us a little bit about who this little girl is well that's Mary Ellen Stewart was my maiden name s-t-e-w-a-r-t and my uh, father was raised in Ennis Montana so about every other summer, we would go out to granddad's ranch and granddad kept that, that horse was named Copper. He was a golden Palomino. I just loved Copper and I would ride him as much as I could. As you can see, I was, I don't think I've ever been afraid of anything. And I don't know why, you know, I just always knew I could do things. I always knew that no matter what anyone else told me, you know, I could still do it. And that's an important part of becoming aware of yourself. But yeah, that's little Mary Ellen before she was diagnosed with the epilepsy at age six, which is when everything went downhill from there. Well, I want to move forward. Uh, I'm going to move way forward. Uh, I mean, you're, you're a teacher also. I mean, when, you, uh, when your husband uh, made that decision that he was going to leave you, how long had you been married at that point? Uh, we were married for 13 years. Wow. Any children at that point? Yeah, we have a daughter and she's she's living. She just moved out to Montana and uh, loves it. And she's a beautiful person. She's climbed five of the seven highest peaks in the world. And uh, she's just she's a very good person. And she's a. it's very interesting to see that that child, that daughter, was the reason for that relationship, you know. So how old was she when your husband left you? Um, probably, I'm saying probably about eight. Wow. And where were you living at the time? Uh, we were living in, was it Dan Danbury, Connecticut? Yeah, Danbury, Connecticut. Not far from where I live, so I know exactly where you were. 
Yeah. And um, I taught school in Danbury for a little while. We were in Danbury twice because my ex-husband was with IBM. So we got moved and moved and moved. And I taught school at St. Joseph's Catholic School downtown Danbury and loved it. And I loved teaching growing up because I could give to my students the truths that I hadn't been raised with to uplift them and to help them to love themselves. Cause that's where all healing starts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now you, I mean, when your husband that morning, had, mm -hmm. were there clues that that was going to happen? Uh, because I, sometimes I believe that there are clues that we refuse to look at. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes there are absolutely no clues which side of the equation were you on? Oh, when he first left, I thought. Wait, uh, he left more than once? No, the when he walked out the door. No, he left the one time and never came back. Anyway, when he left, at first, I thought, what happened? And then looking back at it, of course, I go through the five steps of getting angry and all, all that stuff. And then when I finally began to work on myself, Mary Ellen, the child of God that I am, I looked back at it and I thought, oh, my gosh, I had created in that marriage exactly who I didn't want to be, which was my mother, because she was a tyrant at home. And I don't think I was that bad. And, you know, I just... I had not learned the relationship skills, the communication skills, the skills that I needed to have a good relationship. And I didn't even realize that I didn't like myself, you know. So, yeah, at first, I didn't think there were any clues. And looking back at it, yeah, there were a lot of, lot of clues that I didn't see. So, but, I mean, eight years that you were together... Uh, was it uh, no 13 years that you were together? Okay. Your daughter yeah. was eight. Um, so the 13 years that you were together, uh, mm -hmm. were those uh, lose always there for those 13 years? Were you living pretty much the same uh, life that you were living with your parents growing up? I didn't think so, you know. I. I was just kind of rote, you know, going, you know, he traveled a lot for IBM and we were in West Virginia when my daughter was born. And so I was left alone a lot. And, you know, we did things, but we didn't do things like, you know, the husband that I'm married to now for the past 25 years God. has been so wonderful and so blessed. And it's so night and day different. And it's not that my first husband was bad. He, he wasn't. He's a very good person. It's just that we are night and day different. Whereas I'm really social and I'll go, I'll go talk to anybody. Hi, how you doing? If you were to uh, speak to my first husband, you would always think he was mad. He always looked like he was mad. And so I was always afraid of him. And I was afraid of him like I, that little girl being afraid of my mother. I love the fact that you are not blaming your husband, uh, your first husband, that you mm -hmm. are saying that this is just who he was mm -hmm. and that you were just two completely different people. 
Uh, mm -hmm. I love the fact because so many people, when they go through a breakup or the end of a marriage or something, the first thing they want to do is blame the other person. Mm -hmm. And there's no blame at all here. Mm -mm. No. I, and that's what you need to do in any relationship when it ends. Okay. When it ends, always take a step back. And instead of looking at the other person, you always have to look inside yourself. What do you still need to learn that you didn't learn? You know, that relation, what did you learn from that relationship? What are the good parts that came out of that, that you can take with you and carry forward? And what are the things about yourself that you don't want to carry forward any longer? Because I do a lot of relationship workshops and a lot of relationship, I have a lot of clients that are either ending a relationship, looking for a relationship, going through a divorce or, you know, all that stuff. Well, I want to ask you, when did you become your authentic self? When did this Mary Ellen begin to emerge and begin to blossom? Uh, because I am assuming that your mother uh, was the complete opposite of the person that I see right here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she was. She was uh, very smart and very intelligent. And she'd been the oldest of seven kids in Buffalo, New York, and taught herself to speak English. And I have a sister that's seven years older, but I was an accident. Okay, I got that, Mom. I was an accident. I know you tried to get rid of me. It didn't work. I got that, you know. Uh, so I, my authentic self, Richard, it probably happened around not, between 1986 and 1989. Well, I began studying A Course in Miracles at, uh, the, at the Atlanta Awareness Center in Atlanta. I moved back to Atlanta with my daughter after my first husband left. And I thought, well, okay. And people keep, would keep come up to me at the gym because I work out almost every day. And they would say, you know, you're really pretty, but you're so sad. I'm like, sad? Sad. People would actually say this to you? Yeah, uh, they would say there's this cloud of sadness around you. Wow. So, and then I got directed to the Awareness Center in Atlanta, and I began learning the philosophy which I teach now, which is a philosophy of one finger out, three fingers back. Meaning the good you see in other people is the good you have inside yourself. And you always take it back and you bless it. And conversely, the things about other people that hook you or really grab you are God's way or the universe's way or whatever you want to call our higher power of showing you what you need to work on in yourself. Well, may I read this from your book? Because oh, sure. I was just reading this this morning. <laughs> so I... Uh, Take a sip. Becoming aware is always the first step on your truth journey. This type of awareness I call awareness of self. Mm -hmm. Awareness is your key to ignite that spark within you toward becoming all God wants you to be in our world. Awareness of self, of yourself, is crucial. And without completing this step, you will stay stuck. The easiest way to become aware of yourself mm -hmm. is through a theory I learned as one finger out, you have three pointing back. When you point a finger at someone else, there are always three pointing back at you, meaning the good you see in others is the good you have inside yourself. And conversely, the things about other people 
that irritate you are God's way or the universe's way of showing you what you need to work on in yourself. Mm -hmm. I love that. The good you see in, your, uh, in others, you should always bless as the goodness is in you. When you see something in another person that irritates you or totally hooks you, step back to look at yourself. Understand there is something you need to learn. The other person's prob uh, probably is behaving badly and it hooks you and you are bothered by what they did day after day after day. It makes you angry or affects your life. My question to you is, why are you seeing it this way? Or what do you still need to learn? Today, become aware there was always something to learn. Enjoy the day. Truth lives. Yeah. I was just reading this this morning. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's my latest book. And I have a few more I want to write. I just have to get some money and a publisher behind me. So if you're a publisher out there, contact me. <laughs> <laughs> Sound familiar, Kasira? So uh, we, we know all about that. That's true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So just... I want to go back. Um, the Course in Miracles. Mm -hmm. um, do you think that the Course in Miracles found you or the, uh, you found the Course in Miracles? I think it was on my path that I was supposed to travel all the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was always there. It was just when was I ready to pick it up and study it and be ready for it? You know, I'd been a student of the Bible all my life. I mean, I was raised in the Catholic Church. My father, I think, was Baptist or something, but we had to go to the Catholic Church because of mother. Mm -hmm. And then my first husband was uh, Methodist. So I learned a lot about the Bible in, in throughout the Methodist Church. And then uh, my husband now, Peter, we were married in the Greek Orthodox Church. So <laughs> I've got them <laughs> all covered. <laughs> and uh, I love A Course in Miracles because it does help you to see things differently. Because I teach people that there are no problems. There are perceptions and misperceptions. Mm -hmm. To the extent you're seeing something as a problem, it's simply a misperception. How can you see it differently? How, you, how can you see it with loving eyes instead of fear? Because everything good, everything positive always comes from love. Everything else is fear-based and it's not real anyway. Well, how did the shift begin to happen with you uh, from it's it's one thing to be on this path where you are learning this. Mm -hmm. It's a completely different thing when you begin to uh, sh uh, spread it around, if you will, uh, mm -hmm. encouraging other people to grow, uh, as Dolly Levi would say in Hello, Dolly. Mm -hmm. uh, you started uh, spreading mm -hmm. this around and helping other people uh, to mm -hmm. learn what you had learned. Uh, when did that shift begin to happen for you? Well, while I was studying A Course in Miracles, I was also playing racquetball tournaments. I was a nationally ranked racquetball player. And I would get hot and I would start to lose my vision or I would start to stagger like I'm drunk. Uh, I ended up being diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. Now, the year was 1989 and there were no medications for it yet. And since I'd come through the epilepsy, I figured, oh, you know, I can handle it. You're right. Mm -hmm. And I began studying 
with along with A Course in Miracles, I began studying Ayurvedic healing, Chinese medicine, and all different types of alternative treatments because there were no medications at the time. And so, you know, I was in A Course in Miracles in the Awareness Center, and one of the spiritual ladies had come to speak with us. And so afterward, I went up to her and I said, Kay, which is what we called her. I said, Kay, you know, I was diagnosed with epilepsy as a kid. I've just been diagnosed with MS. You know, how can you sit there and tell me there are no problems? You know, my first husband walked out. I'm single and I'd like to get married again. Who in the world is going to marry? If you didn't like somebody, just tell them you had epilepsy and MS. They turn around and take you home. You know, you know, and she just stopped and she looked at me and she said, Mary Ellen, never forget. She said it this way. The problem is you see a problem. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I got so mad. I got so angry. I was like, the problem is I see a problem. Oh my, I just got out of there and I got in my car and I drove home and I'll never forget. I was sleeping. I was laying down at night and I was just, you know, I'm never going back there or whatever. I, sat bolt upright in the middle of the bed at night and I was like the problem is I see a problem oh my god you know lightning bolt moment ding 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 and that is so true the problem is I was seeing all these problems instead of embracing them and learning from them not that anyone should like having MS because I've had some very difficult days Yet when you take that MS monster and you give it a big loving hug and you break it into pieces, it's amazing how fast he'll go run and hide in his little cave. So, you know, it's, it was all part of my journey. Wow. Now, which came first? The, you started writing your books. I mean, your resume that I have here, uh, you've been an executive producer. Uh, you've co-hosted shows. Uh, your first book was published in February of 2011. Um, uh, if, how, how many books? Four books? Three. Well, I have four. With The first book has been published twice, so I have four total, actually. And you have an amazing uh, website, uh, everyone, which mm-hmm. I am in love with. Uh, Ask Mary Ellen, um, and you know, and uh, you know, and if anyone has any questions, uh, you know, put them mm-hmm. uh, in the comments, mm-hmm. and we'll you know have people ask questions today of you. Yeah. Uh, but uh, what is the main? Que- is there a certain theme that you find that most of the questions that come your way? Uh, that people are dealing with right now. And, uh, you know, especially in the last uh, few weeks, it seems like there is such a disconnect in the world right now, Mary Ellen. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I'm sure that you're feeling this as well. Um, what do you, I mean, what are your thoughts on what's going on in the world right now as far as this disconnect, uh, you know, and, and I, we're not even talking politics or anything mm-hmm. in terms of how, People are just not communicating with each other anymore. Well, I know technology has a lot to do with that. And Einstein said it a long time ago. He said, Einstein, he said technology would be the death of society instead of enhancing it. Whereas a technological progress with the factories and different things would enhance society. And as far as what's going on in the world, as I see it, and 
feel it. There's a great big spiritual awakening happening right now. And people are either going to get it or they're not going to get it. And they're going to stay stuck. And it's really sad to see how many people like staying stuck. They like their negative junk. That I mean, I remember when I was first getting on the Internet and I went into an MS group to try to help them uh, with some natural ways that I'd found that helped me. And I, I said, well, let's be positive about this. And they told me to get off of their site because they liked, oh. they liked their negativity. And a lot of it is, you know, you get negative attention is better than no attention at all. You know, people, they don't, you don't realize what your subconscious is doing. Oh, you know, well, if I change my ways and I'm not negative, then he's not going to pay attention to me anymore. And then what am I going to do? Whereas if you change your ways, you'll get a give yourself attention. Don't wait for anyone else to give you attention. Don't wait for anyone else to give you love. Give yourself love. Go out and have so many of my clients, Richard, I say, what do you do for fun? They look at me like I've said a four-letter word. It's true. And, and I'm like, you know, I, I like to go hang gliding. I like to go paddle boarding. I like, you know, and people say hang glide. And I'm like, yeah, I go with an instructor. You know, I want to jump out of a plane one of these times, but my husband won't let me. <laughs> you know, I had a very dear friend. She passed away uh, about a year ago. She was born blind. And she, mm -hmm. at 60, she jumped out of an airplane, completely mm -hmm. blind. And she had absolutely that fear factor mm -hmm. with her. Uh, the last thing that you would ever apply to her was that she was disabled or handicapped. Mm -hmm. uh, if you use that word around her, she would scream at you. Yeah. She said nothing held her back except other people. And the word no was not a part of her vocabulary. And she truly, I learned so much from her in terms of how to live life. And, you know, and I believe when it comes to success, that it all boils down to one or two things, the word yes or no. Mm -hmm. And uh, we all just need to get out of our comfort zones and just say yes. And I believe that we live in an obstructionist society and world where it's a lot easier to say no mm -hmm. than to say yes. And one of my favorite quotes uh, is from Richard Bach from the book Illusions. Mm -hmm. And the quote is, argue for your limitations. And sure enough, they're yours. Mm -hmm. And it seems to me, Mary Ellen, with everything that you've lived through, that there don't seem to be any limitations with you. I don't give myself any limitations. I don't give myself any reasons or any excuses and for not doing anything. I mean, I know I can do it. I might need a little help. I, you know, I might, you know, I was working in the yard a couple of weeks ago because some of my plants had died and I'd ordered them and I was working out there with them. And yeah, I fell over a couple of times because it was hot. So what, you know, and so many times I'll be speaking to a group or I'll have a client and they'll go, you know, well, you don't look like you have epilepsy. You don't look like you have MS. You don't look like you're 71. And I'm like, well, I'm glad I don't look like I'm 71. That's good. <laughs> you know, and I don't want to look like, you know, I want to look like Mary Ellen. Mm -hmm. you know, I do this for me. You know, I don't put on makeup every day for my husband. I do it for me. Mm -hmm. I like the glow in the dark 
blonde hair for me. I like the long sparkly fingernails for me. You know, I'm not going to dress like any other 71 year old probably, but I, I do that for me. I don't do that to show anybody else up or to be stuck up or all the criticisms that I get. You know, you have to look at yourself honestly. I mean, we're not honest with each other. We're, we're really, you know, people lie all the time. And you can't, you can't lie. You can't have negative thoughts and create a positive life. Absolutely. Well, one of the things that I do want to applaud you for is your years of teaching. Uh, and you, you taught in so, I mean, you were on the move a lot with your, mm-hmm. uh, uh, how many years did you teach and how many different school systems did you teach? And what was it about the teaching profession that you feel that you personally brought to the table that separated you from anyone else? Well, to begin with, I didn't ever want to be a teacher. I actually wanted to be a fashion designer, but my mother said she wouldn't send me to college unless I went into education. I'd have to pay for it myself. Well, I'm not that blonde. Okay, fine. You know, (laughs) so I went into education and graduated with high honors from college from the University of Georgia. And then I began teaching in Valdez, North Carolina, which is in the Appalachian Mountains. And I had about Uh, We had 60 students in a classroom, two teachers, and a lot of the kids were from what you call the backwoods area. And I remember having a father come in and I really thought his son had epilepsy. I could see I could see the signs. Okay, And so I was telling his father and his father goes, well, I'll just take him into the backwoods and beat that devil out of him. And I was like, oh, my gosh, my God. So from there, I went to, I taught in um, West Virginia for a time. I taught in Danbury, Connecticut and taught in North Carolina. And I taught in Atlanta and I taught in Atlanta in, uh, I always taught for some reason in the inner city. Now I didn't teach in inner city Atlanta. I taught over by Six Flags. And like, even when I taught in West, in West Virginia, I taught at the base of a housing project. And so we didn't even have any buses. The kids would come walk down to our school. And I know we had a grandmother that walked around with a cane. It was a rifle for a cane. And and I know the KKK came and they said, well, we're going to shoot all you lily white teachers. And I'm like, oh, my God, why would you do that? And so my first husband said, do you want to stay home today? And I said, no, I want to show my students that I'm there for them. I, I don't believe that way. You know, everybody deserves an education. Everybody deserves to be treated with kindness and compassion and dignity and respect. And so I went from one school system and then in, let's see, Cobb Cobb County, I taught where I met my husband. And I always had on my board, since I taught seventh and eighth grade, I would have an objective, a factoid, and a vitamin. Now, a vitamin was a vitamin for your mind, mm. kind of like a truth in the day. And the kids would come in, and their first five-minute activity was to write it in their notebook. And we wouldn't just write it. I would ask somebody to say the objective. We'd talk about it. The factoid was a strange and unusual fact about the topic. 
And the vital mind, of course, was something like what you focus on expands, what you think about happens. And we wouldn't just read it. I'd say, what do you think I mean by that? What You can't just focus on a million dollars and have it. What do you think it means? And we would talk about it. And so many of my students came back in later years and said, you know, I got a lot from your classes and I still have my vitamins and I read them all the time. Wow. So the vitamins morphed into the truths, which my first book, Healing Words, Life Lessons to Inspire, was my first book. And I didn't even want to write it. God kept telling me these things and he wouldn't stop. He wouldn't leave me alone. And I'm like, so I, I wrote it. I mean, it just, it was just, it was a definite journey from God. Wow. Wow. Um, so, you know, it's, it, it must be so Sorry. inspiring to you um, when students from your past come back to you years later uh, to tell you what they glean from your classes. Um mm -hmm. In all the areas, you know, and I want to go back here. Um, you taught middle school for over 15 years. Uh, you taught mm -hmm. in Georgia, Connecticut, West Virginia, and North Carolina. Mm -hmm. um, those four states, they couldn't be more different. Um, was there a common thread mm -hmm. uh, with all of those students? And then mm -hmm. what were the main differences in those schools? Well, I didn't see that many differences because I didn't teach my class differently. I know when the parents would come in for the first parent conference, you know, and the schools that had a had more money behind them, had more parents attend and the lower schools, of course, less. But I would always tell the parents the same thing. Yes, I might be teaching English. I might be teaching science. I might be teaching social studies or Georgia history. And what I'm basically here to do, I want to teach your student to think. Because if I can teach them to think as if there is no box in front of them, then they can use these principles that I teach and they can go into the world and they can do anything. And that's what our school systems need to do. They need to teach our students how to think, how to think for yourself, how to be responsible for yourself, how to, you know, and I would use the truth principles because the kids back then would look at another kid and go, oh, he's gay. And I'd say, well, be careful because what you see in another is inside yourself. And, of course, they would all die, die laughing. You know, <laughs> I had a lot of fun teaching. Um, I really had a lot of fun with the kids. I liked fast-paced activities. We would do one thing and another thing. We would do plays. I know when I was in Georgia, uh, one time the kids didn't like the state of Georgia flag because of the discriminatory things on it. So I said, okay, let's have a project. Let's change the state of Georgia flag. That's going to be your project. I want you to research flags. Okay. And I had a syllabus for them and they had to make a flag on a poster. They didn't have to make it out of material, make a flag. And then you're going to present it to the class. And I had a way of presenting to where everybody rated each, they rated each other and they gave each other good comments. And then we ended up being uh, t called down to the Atlanta, the Capitol. Uh, and I had to pick out 20 or 30 flags and our flags held flew in the rotunda for about a week. And they were on the front page of AOL 
back when AOL only had two or three front pages. <laughs> right. Uh, Mary Ellen, I know that you uh, have daily writings that you put out each day. Um, I found you because you and I, uh, I follow you on LinkedIn, uh, mm -hmm. which is my main platform that I'm on. Uh, mm -hmm. and I'm, uh, but uh, you post on the different platforms. Um, you write, do you write uh, each night before going to bed? Uh, do you write in the morning? Um, where... Uh, I know it's God-given. Mm -hmm. Where do you feel that your inspiration comes uh, from? And is it something that you meditate and think about throughout the day? What is your process when it comes to your daily writings? Well, I have to be, in order to hear God, in order to hear the universe, you have to be quiet. And people will say to me, well, you know, God doesn't speak to me. Yes, God does speak to everyone. Possibly you're not listening. Because one of the problems people have with communication is they don't listen to each other. They assume what somebody's going to say and they go forward with it. But anyway, getting back to the writings in the beginning, God kept just giving me all these things. So then I would sit down and I would go, okay, what do you want people to hear now? And so I usually try to keep a week ahead so I can schedule them. Um, I really can't tell you where they come from because they just come and through all, they are all part of the things that have kept my epilepsy, my MS, have kept them in control, have brought me so much peace in my life. And I love having peace in my life and I love having fun and I love having laughter and you have to do this. You have to be quiet. You have to have solitude. You have to quit scaring yourself about the future and criticizing yourself and worrying about your past. The past is past. Let's go. It's very interesting. And again, I'm not getting political, but just this past two weeks, we mm -hmm. had four instances where people were shot mm -hmm. uh, because of being at the wrong place at the wrong time. And in each of these instances, these were based on fear. And mm -hmm. people are living in a fear mode in this country. And uh, I, you know, I, you know, the thing that I always say is that if everyone believe, uh, began every day with a show tune, there would be no uh, strife in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, I began each day listening. To, I've got a, um, a morning mix that I listen to. And I dance around the house with my dog uh, who dances on his hind legs. And we, you know, that's how I begin each day. And then I do my morning pages uh, from Julia Cameron from the artist way. And I do begin each day uh, with my positive meditations and everything. And now I have to say, Mary Ellen, thank you. You're a part of that uh, every morning now uh, when your books arrived. And, you know, and the fact that you also in, when I received the books, you wrote such a wonderful note to me and that meant a lot to me and I will cherish that note. So uh, I think, you, uh, I believe uh, wholeheartedly that you walk the walk and you talk the talk. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it, this has been great getting to know you uh, through your writings. Um, out of the books that you've written, um, is there a book that really resonates the strongest with you? I don't know. I like, 
truth, the one with the peacock on it, truth, taking responsibility unleashes true healing. Um, because this the peacock's on there for a reason. The, the way a peacock gets his feathers is through eating thorns. And the harder the thorn is to digest in that digestive tract, the more beautiful the color in the tail. And it's the same way with people. When we go through our trials and our tribulations and we learn from them, which that's the key, I want to say it again, and we learn from them, then you can become the beautiful, peaceful, loving pe person that you're here to do. When you fear anything, and it, this goes, goes back to the Bible, goes back to ancient text, anything you fear will happen. Mm -hmm. Quit fearing it. Uh, you know, instead of fearing it, love, put love out there. Love is healing. And I mean unconditional love, not our societal love of I'll love you if, I'll love you when. That is con conditional. No, 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 no. Unconditional love. No motives, no expectations, and no judgments. And, you know, and I want to go back uh, to, uh, you know, something I asked you earlier, and it was about uh, your authentic self. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, you're a very spiritual person. Um, the and you said you grew up, you know, in the world of religion, mm -hmm. uh, but there's a difference between religion and spirituality. There truly is. Um, do the two really merge together cohesively in your life? And are the people that are in your life also spiritual and align in within your teachings as well? Well, religion is quite different from spirituality as I see it. Okay. Religion is more of a business, okay? You have to give your tithes and offerings to keep that church open. And I understand if you find someone, some church that honors your values and respect, then you do need to give that money to keep that open. That's fine, okay? However, if you're just going to show everybody, well, I went to church on Sunday, or I have to sit in a certain pew, and you come out of that church and you're gossiping about what somebody wore. You shouldn't, you shouldn't be going. They do. You know I that. know, I know. It's true. You know, why are you wasting your time going to church? Because you come out, you're not doing what, you know, Christ came over 2,000 years ago to teach us what we needed to learn. If he came today, we're not any different. I, I think... Somebody on the street could be doing miracles and walking in the desert 40 days and 40 nights. And we'd probably lock him up because he didn't come down from the sky on his chariot or in a certain way. You know, there's a lot of good in the world. Let's focus on the good in the world and quit. Yeah, you need to watch the news to know what's going on for yourself, of course, you know. And there's so much negative stuff out there. Begin if you want your life to be positive, follow positive people, follow inspirational people, follow what you want to see. Follow Mary Ellen. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> buy some books. <laughs> yes, buy some books. Go to her website. I'm going to have a little fun with you because I'm going to ask you some questions okay. uh, based on. Um, my own readings and everything. And uh, 
before I go there, uh, I've got three mystery questions on my desk, and I want you to pull a number one through three, and I'm going to ask you uh, a question. I don't even know what the first question is going to be. Well, two's always my favorite number, so I'll say two. Okay, and um, it's a statement, and uh, and I'll let you run with this. And the statement is, my actions are intentional, and they bring me closer to my goals. So go with that. Your actions should always be intentional and should always go towards your goals when you have a focus goal in mind. Okay, focus. Okay, so many people, they think they're going towards a goal. And they really want to go somewhere else. Okay. And you have to understand in people, well, you might have to take a job for a little while to learn money, earn money. Fine. And then like a miracle, somebody walks into that job and you start talking to them about what you love to do. And all of a sudden you're doing what you love to do. So when you focus on your goals and just take, stay in that now moment, every single moment, stay now. Say, get up with a purpose, be grateful, and love everything. There's so much to see in the world that you could do the glad technique. You could do rain, all of these things I give to my clients, and they're just so powerful. And you have to stay focused on your goal. I try to connect with one or two people every day, and I think to myself, okay, one of these days, somebody's going to get me on like a great show, like Richard Skipper celebrates. And wow, everything's going to open the door. So I'm very grateful for everything. Well, thank you for that. And thank you for being here. Um, I'm going to throw out a few words and then I'd like you just to uh, say the first thing that pops into your mind when I say these words. Mm -hmm. Self-respect. Love yourself and hold your head up high no matter what's going on around you. You have to respect yourself so you can respect others. If you're finding yourself not respecting other people, the first thing I would ask that client is, do you respect yourself? Because you can't respect anyone else until you respect yourself. And so do you follow through with your word? Do you, you say what you mean and mean what you say? You know, all of those are part of self-respect. Perfect. Perfect answer. When was the one moment in your life when you felt the most powerless and how did you get through it? Well, the one moment I felt powerless was I had gone to a psychiatrist at uh, the college to help me get through a traumatic situation. And his answer for me was to make me part of the Me Too movement. And I went back and I tried to tell my first husband who I was dating at the time what was going on. And they were like, no, he's the head side. He wouldn't do that. He would. And everybody kept saying, you have to go back. You have to go back. And I didn't want to go back. So I ended up, I tried to commit suicide. Oh, I'm so sorry. And I I'm was going to succeed. Thank God. Well, I was in a coma for three days. And I remember coming out of my body and I remember going to that dark place. And then I remember seeing that. I remember just floating there. And you know, I remember it was cold and it was so dark. And then a bright white doorway opened. 
And I thought, well, okay, I'll float over there. And this man came to the door, I say Christ, with outstretched hands. And I wanted to see inside because it was so beautiful. It was so powerful and so beautiful. There was so much love. And I remember being told that what I had done was very, very bad. I had a lot of good to do in the world yet. And then the door slammed the door. As soon as that door slammed, I was awake in intensive care and nurses were running around going, oh, my gosh, she's back. She lived. She lived. Yeah. Would you ever consider writing a book about that? Uh, yeah. I, yeah, I would. I talk about it to people when they're ready to hear it because not everybody is ready to hear, hear that because and that was. And I remember when I was married to my first husband, and this was after my daughter was born, and I was cleaning the house, and all of a sudden on TV, this man was speaking about, because I thought it was a dream. This man was speaking about going to the light, and I was like, wait a minute. And I thought to myself, that was real? And then, you know, God, and then my whole journey with God or the universe began. You know, it was just... It, my life has been full of love, it's been full of pain, and my the pain is what has brought me to the love. And I wouldn't give up any of the pain at all, because I am exactly where I'm supposed to be. Wow. Well, God bless you. Wow. Um, next question. Do you feel that you are doing enough with the work that you're doing? I know I'm doing all that I can right now because, you know, health-wise, it's important for me to keep my MS balanced so I don't have, because I still do not take any of the shots for it. I just, you know, the MS Society loves me, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, I want to get it out there more. And like I said, I have more books to write. It's just, I know when... God wants them to get out. They will get out there and people like yourself and publishers and other people will find me. So I'm, I'm doing all I can right now. Could I do more? I don't think so because between my clients and my truths of the day, and I have miracles of Mary Ellen on Monday and Mary Ellen's miracle moment on Thursday, I, I stay quite busy. <laughs> you certainly do. Uh, finish the statement. I can do anything I desire to because I. Because I totally love myself and I totally know that I'm worthy of it and I deserve it. Yes. Amen. Perfect. Finish this sentence. I deserve to have dot, dot, dot. I deserve to have peace and love and contentment and all of the good things in life. And I, I deserve to have these because I want to give these to people. I don't want to just have these for myself. I want to teach people how to have them. And I want people to embrace these things within themselves. So I deserve to have everything so that you can have everything too. I love that answer. Uh, have you, has there ever been a moment in your life, because I, I love where you've evolved to, 
Has there ever been a moment, we talked earlier, I love the fact that you did not blame your husband, but has Mm -hmm. there ever been a moment where you have blamed someone else and without naming any names? And if so, what did you learn from that moment? I blamed my mother for a long time until I stopped and I looked at how she was raised. And until I understood where she came from, because she used to tell me, Richard, I'm doing the best I can. Well, I, I always thought that was pretty blank because I would just shake. Of course, you, you know, I was raised not to talk back to my mother and you didn't. Uh, and you, know, she was always so cold hearted. I remember coming home from college because a friend of mine at, had died and she said what are you doing home i pay for college and i saw well, so-and-so died well we're having a card party go to your room you know and, and she looked at me and she goes mary ellen you got to learn to take the good with the bad and i'm like some say just died you have no compassion and and you know that was the way she was because she had to survive her childhood her childhood was my grandmother only spoke Polish and my grandfather uh, had lost a leg and he spoke English, but she had to teach herself uh, English and she must have had it so very difficult that until I could have compassion for myself to have compassion for her and the forgiveness was not about forgiving her. It was about forgiving me for see it seeing it the way I did. Forgiveness is always about forgiveness of self. Wow. Wow. Hmm. Um, Was there ever a moment in your life where you felt shame? And if so, how did you get through that? Oh, yeah. I felt extremely shameful for, you know, trying to kill myself. I mean, that was bad. And I remember my mother walking into my hospital room and she goes, why? And I said, do you realize that in your life, you never, ever told me that you loved me? And she she looked at me and she goes, I gave you everything you ever wanted. Oh, my God. And she turned around and walked out of the room and she never came back. Wow. Go ahead. I'm sorry. And, you know, you can feel shame, but what does it do? Shame is like worry or regret. You know, so you did it. Everybody does bad things. I mean, I did some other things in my life that aren't that great. And, you know, that's just part of my life. That's part of how I learned to be the Mary Ellen I am today. Absolutely. Uh, This is from uh, our friend Alan, who's watching, and he says, I thought the saying is actually walk the talk, apply the values, live by example, not just talk, but enliven it it with life-enhancing actions that are in line with one's proclaimed values and beliefs. Mm -hmm. That's very well. Yes. Yes. Um, I, um, I, you know, I... Um, I just have to say this, uh, with all due respect to your husband, I'm in love with you. So, uh, yes, and uh, and my friend Kasira, she, I'm going to pull up her uh, comment. Uh, she says, um, uh, please adopt me. 
You know, we both love you. Uh, you know, we do a show uh, from time to time, uh, Let That Go show. We'd love mm -hmm. to come on with both of us sometime. Oh, um, I would love that. I yeah. saw that show. I love that show. Well, thank you so much. We'd love to have you come on and join us sometime. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, and I just want to let you know, Mary Ellen, anytime you have a new book out or anything that you want to talk about, uh, please put me on your list. Uh, reach out to me. Don't ever feel uh, hesitant in terms of reaching out. Um, mm -hmm. I always, I'm going to give you the final word today. But before I get to the final word, I'm going to have a final word. And it's actually going to be your final word because I'm going to read from your book. Uh, I want to thank everyone for being here today. Um, I always say go out and do something nice for somebody else without mm -hmm. expecting anything in return. Uh, mm -hmm. Thank you, Pete. Uh, your husband says great show, and I appreciate that. Uh, I always say go out and do something nice for somebody else without expecting anything in return. Pick up the phone and call someone you haven't spoken to in a while. And I'm going to read uh, my final uh, statement for today, and then I'm going to turn it over to you, Mary Ellen. Uh, it could be about anything that we spoke about today that you want to build upon, anything that we didn't talk about that you wish we had, or just any final message you want to leave everyone with today. And I'm turning to the next page in your book, Healing Words, Life Lessons to Inspire. And by the way, everyone, all of these books are available on Amazon. And all of these links will be available on my YouTube channel so that you'll be able to go and order all of these books. They're all great. I've got them all, and they're wonderful. So my final word today, which is actually Mary Ellen's final word, trust. Trust that everything is exactly as it is supposed to be. Trust mm -hmm. that something good always comes out of every situation. Mm -hmm. Trust in life. Trust in love. Trust, uh, first, you must trust yourself. Amen. Mary Ellen, thank you for being here today. And it's oh, thank, you. thank you so much for having me. Such a blessing. I want everybody to remember that you are responsible for your life experiences. No one else is responsible. You are. The way you see it is the way it is. Change your perception, change your life, change your thoughts, change your life. If you want to know how, connect with me through Ask Mary Ellen. Begin to love yourself. Quit criticizing yourself. Quit bringing worry or regrets or past things into it. Stop scaring yourself about the future. Stay in the now moment. Have some fun. Every single day, have some fun. Put a funny movie on. Uh, do something to laugh. Just do something to move. Keep going. Release the past and forgive yourself. That's what I said. Forgive yourself. And be grateful for every single moment. I love you. Sincerely with love, Mary Ellen is always the way I sign things. Go to AskMaryEllen.com for any of my books. Leave me a message. Or I have a YouTube channel that is Ask Mary Ellen. So subscribe to Ask Mary Ellen on YouTube. So I hope to see you there. I do Miracles with Mary Ellen on Monday and Mary Ellen's Miracle Moment on Thursday. So until later on the Internet, bye-bye. Have some fun and love yourself.